And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurk in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of a comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from 1949. Then Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall star in another exotic drama on Bold Venture from 1951. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Last time, we began listening to Our Miss Brooks from 1949 called Key to School. Eve Arden stars. Here's the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks. (laughs) Well, maybe that's a good idea. Miss Brooks, get Denton to drive out to wherever Mrs. Davis is. At least his brain is expendable. All right, Mr. Conklin. I'll look for Walter and ask him to go after the key. You won't have to look for him, Miss Brooks. Walter's coming over right now. Well, if it isn't my light of love. (laughs) Greetings, fair Harriet. The bonjour, Miss Brooks. And to you, esteemed principal, felicitations. Mr. Conklin, catch a rancid wheat cake at breakfast? Uh, Mr. Conklin's not in a very good mood this morning, Walter. You see, today's the day the Board of Education is supposed to award Madison the plaque for its fine attendance record. Well, what's bad about that? Let's get into the jolly institution and snag that little beauty. Uh, I'd love to, Walter. Maybe we could melt you down and pour you through the bar. <laughs> now, I'm going to inform the other teachers of our dilemma, Miss Brooks. Please get expendable here on his way. Come with me, Harriet. Yes, Daddy. Bye, Walter. Adieu, lovely one. And lovely one's father. Yeah! <laughs> you know, Miss Brooks, there are times when I sense an animosity in that man. Now, what do you suppose could cause such a reaction? Hatred, for one thing. Now, please listen carefully, Walter. You know Mrs. Davis' sister, Angela, don't you? Oh, sure, Miss Brooks. I gave Mrs. Davis a ride out there last week. Good. Do you remember where she lives? Well, it's way on the other side of town. I didn't notice the address, but I think I could find it. Uh, There was a mailbox on the corner. (laughs) A mailbox? Isn't there anything else that would help you identify it? Well, nothing outstanding. What color was the house? I don't remember the background color, but the stripes were purple. <laughs> I guess I could find it all right, Miss Brooks. But I wish you'd tell me what this is all about. Well, it's about the key to the school, Walter. Mrs. Davis walked off with it this morning, and it's up to you to go and get it back. Now, just ask her for the little fat key on a blue ribbon. Your wish is my command, Miss Brooks. My eager jalopy is champing at the curb. What kind of a car is that, anyway, Walter? 
Food has no name, Miss Brooks. Just a slogan. A slogan? Yeah. You know how they call the new huts in the car you step down into? Yes. Well, this is the box you back away from. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, it's over an hour since Denton left, and he's still not back with that key. I'm sure it won't be much longer, Mr. Conklin. Here goes that phone again. I wish Mr. Stone would stop calling my office. I know one way to stop him, Mr. Conklin. We can go to the malt shop next door and call him. That way you can stall him off till Walter gets back with the key. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Better than standing around listening to that phone. Come on, Miss Brooks. Well, here we are, Mr. Conklin. Martin's malt shop. Madison's unofficial annex. <laughs> After you, Miss Brooks. Well, if it isn't Miss Brooks. Hi, Marty. Sneak away from the ogre for a little fizz water? No, the ogre is along today. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Conklin, just a little nickname I picked up from the kids. Why, I'm surprised at you, Marty. Nobody at Madison calls Mr. Conklin by anything but his right name. Well, I'm happy to know that, Miss Brooks. Oh, here's the phone booth right over here, Pear Shape. Uh, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Dial the Board of Education for you. School days, school days, dear old golden rule. Board of Education, Mr. Stone speaking. Uh, Mr. Conklin calling you, Mr. Stone. One moment, please. Here you are, Mr. Conklin. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Stone. Is that you, Conklin? Uh, yes, it is, Mr. Stone. I might as well have a cloak while I'm waiting. Well, it's about time. I was beginning to think that Madison High School had slid into the sea. <laughs> well, uh, I I had to step out of my office for a minute, Mr. Stone, but I'm back in it now. Yes, sir. What's that? What's what? Osgood, are you hissing me? <laughs> oh, no, sir, no. Uh, we, we must have a bad connection. It's a terrible connection. You say you're in your office? Uh, yes, sir. I'll call you right back. Yeah. But, Mr. Stone... And for heaven's sakes, don't disappear again. Goodbye. Uh, wait, Mr. Stone. Wait, uh, Mr... Wait, Mr. This is the last straw. What did he say, Mr. Conklin? He said he's going to call me right back. Now I'm in deeper than ever. Oh, we'll figure some way out of this. After all, Mr. Stone is only a human being. A human being who happens to be the head of our local board of education. Oh, this is awful. Excuse me, Daddy, but the telephone in your office is ringing. The telephone in your office is ringing. What do you suggest, Harriet? I don't know, Daddy. But don't worry. I'm sure Walter won't fail us. He'd better not. Now, Miss Brooks, I'm going over to inspect the classes that have been set up on the athletic field. I want you to call the board and talk to Mr. Stone. Me? But what should I tell him? Improvise. Oh, but Mr. Conklin... Call him off, Miss Brooks. I'm counting on you. Oh, great. Well, I might as well get it over with. What are you going to tell Mr. Stone, Miss Brooks? I don't know yet, Harriet. I'll wait till he answers. Hello, Mr. Stone speaking. Hello, Mr. Stone. This is Miss Brooks at Madison High. Yes? I'm calling from Mr. Conklin's office, Mr. Stone. He asked me to call you. Can you give me a double strawberry temptation, Mark? Oh, he did. And what about Miss Brooks? About his not being able to talk to you for a while. <laughs> what in the world is that sound? sound? Oh, that's the radiator, Mr. Stone. It's defective. Radiator? In tune? Well, they're just testing it. As a matter of fact, that's why Mr. Conklin can't talk to you. One of our students was just in his office, and this jet of hot water started out of the radiator, and Mr. Conklin jumped in front of the boy to save him and accidentally knocked out six of the boy's teeth. 
that radiator should be fixed immediately. Oh, it was, Mr. Stone. But Mr. Conklin doesn't want to leave the boy's side. He's, he's on the couch across the room. Shh! He's giving him a transfusion. <laughs> a transfusion? Of teeth? Oh, didn't I tell you? He also cut his foot. Uh, he's in a bad way, Mr. Stone. We're hoping for the best. Uh, where is the boy now? In a malted milk machine? Uh, there must be somebody else on this line, Mr. Stone. I'd better call you back. No, Miss Brooks, don't bother. I don't quite know what's going on at Madison today, but I'm going to find out. You tell Mr. Conklin that I'll call him in exactly ten minutes. If he isn't at the phone prepared to carry on a rational conversation at that time, well, he'd better be. Uh, but, Mr. Stone... Goodbye, Miss Brooks. Goodbye. And goodbye, Mr. Conklin. Well? Well, nothing. It's worse than ever. Mr. Stone's going to call again in ten minutes. Wait a minute, Harriet. I think I've got an idea. What is it, Miss Brooks? First, I'll get Marty to hang an out-of-order sign on this phone booth, and then I'll call Mr. Conklin's office in five minutes and leave the receiver off the hook on this end. Well, what'll that do? Well, that will ensure Mr. Stone's receiving a busy signal when he calls in ten minutes, and that's what he'll continue to receive until Walter returns with the key. Miss Brooks, you're a positive genius. Please, Harriet, don't exaggerate. I'm not a bit positive. (laughs) Please calm down, Daddy. I'm sure Walter will be back any minute. Oh, that Denton. Instead of sending him for the key, I should have sent some other idiot. I should have gone myself. (laughs) (laughs) He's nothing but an unreliable laggard, a detestable, nauseating... Blundering knucklehead. Excuse me, Mr. Conklin. Here's the key. Bless you, boy. <laughs> well, don't stand there, Denton. Open the door. Yes, sir. There you are, sir. Out of the way, out of the way. Now to get that phone. It must be Mr. So. Well, I'll just give him a piece of my mind. If he thinks he can hound me all day. Hello? Osgood <laughs> Conklin speaking. Hello? 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 They gave up. But there's no dial tone. Some lame brain must have called this number and left the receiver off the hook. Hello? 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 Mr. Conklin, sir, I found this telegram under your door. Uh, That telegram? Let me see that. Uh, Let's see. Well, it's from Mr. Stone. It says, Dear Osgood, realizing the futility of trying to reach you by telephone, I hereby inform you that the Board of Education has authorized you to suspend classes for the remainder of the school day in recognition of Madison's splendid attendance record. Gosh, Mr. Conklin, does that mean there's no more school today? Evidently, Walter. Now, please go out to the athletic field and inform the teachers and students of my decision to give them the rest of the day off. Uh, Yes, sir. Oh, before I go, I better bring you back the key. I left it in the door. No, just leave it there. I've got a little work to clean up. I can get it on my way home. Let's make the most of our afternoon off, Miss Brooks. I'd like to do something really exciting today, if you're game. Game? Miss Brooks, I'd like to take you to the zoo. <laughs> I'm afraid that's a little too gamey for me, Mr. Boyne. I'd, I'd much rather go to a movie. Hey, we must be the last two people on the ground. I feel like... Oh, excuse me a minute. Well, what's wrong, Miss Brooks? I just noticed the front door. Walter left the key in it. You know, the extra lock was my idea. Yes, I know 
Mr. Conklin's been so worried about this key all day, I'm not going to take any chances. Well, what are you going to do, Miss Brooks? I'm going to lock up the school and mail this key to Mr. Conklin. <laughs> After I mailed the key, Mr. Boynton took me to the zoo, then we had a nice Dutch dinner, saw a very exciting movie, and wound up at Marty's Malt Shop. Well, give us a couple of Maltes, Marty. I'm right up, folks. That certainly was a terrifying picture, especially when Lucy starts to hear the voices. Oh, I don't know. Lots of manic depressives wind up like that. Be- beg pardon, Mr. Boynton? I didn't say anything. Oh, I guess it's the effect of that movie. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Won't somebody answer me? Now, wait a minute. I'm not that far gone. Hello out there! It's coming from the phone booth. i better see what that is. Well, that's funny. The receiver's still off the hook. I... Hello? Hello? Is that you, Miss Brooks? Yes. Mr. Conklin? It is indeed. <laughs> have, have you been trying to reach me, Mr. Conklin? I have indeed. Oh, if it's about the school, Mr. Conklin, you don't have a thing to worry about. I locked it securely before I left the campus. Nobody can possibly get in. That's not what I'm worried about, Miss Brooks. I'm worried about getting out. (laughs) Oh, no, you're not still. Yes, I'm still. Now get over here with that key. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. The key? Oh, Mr. Boynton. Do you think you could lift me up? Well, of course, Miss Brooks. Good. Let's get down to the corner. I want you to slip me into the mailbox. <laughs> Next week, turn into another Our Miss Brooks show. Brought to you by Tom Honey Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. Stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, which follows over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's Our Miss Brooks from June 5th, 1949. Key to School, starring Eve Arden. Also in that cast, Jane Morgan, Gail Gordon, Richard Crenna, Jeff Chandler, Gloria McMillan, and Frank Nelson, sponsored by Palm Olive Soap. Your Beauty Hope is heard on CBS. In just a few minutes, it's Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in Bold Venture. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the National Film Critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Mission Impossible Fallout, rated PG-13. It's action and adventure by Paramount Studios. This is the sixth film in the series and the best one to date. The Mission Impossible series started in 1996, produced by and starring Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt at age 33. In Fallout 2018, Cruise, now age 56, continues to amaze us with his action. Rebecca Ferguson is back as Isla Faust, a former MI6 agent who shares the lead with Cruise. Let's take a listen. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. How 
How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? The plot centers on a group called the Apostles, with the goal to create chaos by employing suffering and death. Here's another clip. So, how is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. find it best not to look. The bottom line, I'm all in. Four stars out of four. I appreciated the addition of the four strong female roles. Also, the nail-biting action scenes. The helicopter halo jumps are incredible. I also value the film's message. All lives matter. Check out my written review on Rotten Tomatoes and sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. Make sure you check out our website. It is Hollywood360radio.com, and there is a podcast there. Right, Lisa? There sure is, Carl, because we don't want you to miss any part of our show. No, we don't. So if you do, we have the full four-hour show there for you. It is one week behind the actual air date, but yet it is still there. Yeah. All right, it is time now for Bold Venture, an adventure series starring husband and wife Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Now, uh, salty sea dog Slate Shannon was played by Bogart, and he owned a Cuban hotel where treasure hunters, revolutionaries, and other shady characters rented rooms. His sidekick and ward was the sultry sailor Duval, played by Bacall, and she tagged along as they encountered modern-day pirates and other tough situations while navigating the waters around Havana. Now, aboard his boat, the bold venture, Slate and Sailor, experienced adventure, intrigue, mystery, and romance. It was syndicated in 1951 and 1952 by the Ziv Company, and it was produced by Bogart's company, Santana Productions. Time now for a broadcast from May 7, 1951. This is called Espionage and Murder in Santoma, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Here's part one of Bold Venture. Adventure, adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. Now we bring you the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in... Bold Venture and a Tale of Mystery and Intrigue. One thing I don't understand, Johnston. And please tell me. I'll try to explain. Why are we sitting here? It just seems to me we're talking about this. Well, Shannon's place is pretty public. <laughs> Known as reverse cloak and dagger in the trade, Mr. Shannon. As far as any of your customers are concerned, we're just sitting here eating cheesecake. It's, uh... Fine cheesecake, Mr. Wong. Thanks. Now, shall we go on? I don't think there's anything to go on about. Just a matter of whether Sailor wants to help you or not. Sinclair is a clever man, like all foreign agents have to be. We can't have him know that intelligence is on to him, on to what his plans are, why he's in Havana. It 
embarrasses me to appeal to your patriotism, Mr. Vile. But whatever I have to do to convince you... All I have to do is go to this party, show an ankle, and bear a shoulder to Mr. Sinclair. That it? And convince him to drive you to this address in San Tomas. I'll meet you there. Let me get this straight. A man suddenly disappears from the States, a man named... Faulkner. Faulkner. Guy loaded with secrets about nuclear physics. You think he's here in Havana and he's going to contact a foreign agent named Sinclair, right? Right. Of course, we'd just love to pick up Faulkner and take him back, but we don't know where he is. Sinclair, we do. And Mr. Varla's going to bring him to us. I've gotten her name on the party's guest list. Am I going, Slate? That's a question. She's got a chance to wear a strapless, and she says, am I going, Slate? Uh, more cheesecake, Mr. Johnstone? Faulkner? Did you hear me? I told you. Why don't you stop playing that piano and listen to me? Thank you. I said... You I said had... you were a persuasive man. I know that. What other possible use could you be to me? Don't patronize me, Faulkner. I wouldn't dare. You're a dangerous man, Johnston. I confess you frighten me. <laughs> That's rich. You carry in that bald skull of yours enough atomic knowledge to turn the world into dust, and I frighten you. You never told me, Faulkner, to whom are we going to sell the fruit of this exquisite brain of yours? Whoever pays the most, whoever makes the highest bid. I'm glad you remember. Sometimes you scientists are prone to become vague, uh, forgetful about minor things. Like money. <laughs> Not this scientist. Life in a test tube has become loathsome to me. Jolly glad to hear it. Now you may tell me how you persuaded the young lady. Simply. Ever so simply. I represented myself as being from American intelligence. Showed her Ford's credentials, appealed to her patriotism, flicked her vanity. She is lovely. And she will bring Sinclair to us? Mr. Vaughn, on a proverbial platter. And what will you do with Mr. Sinclair? Kill him. I've never killed an intelligence man before. I wonder what it'll be like. Like the other men you've killed? That's the first portion of Bold Venture. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Bold Venture. I know you. Oh, I do know you. You do? Yes. Oh, yes, indeed. You're that girl with a fanciful name. You're Sailor Duval. I've seen you. Oh, I'm so glad you've come to my party. What would you like first, some food or a man? We have assorted quantities of both. Well, a man would be nice. Where's the guest of honor? Louis Sinclair. Oh, well, I do suppose it's only polite. Uh, Louis, come here, darling. I have someone here just frothing at the mouth to meet you. Well, I would be delighted. Uh, Louis, this is Sailor Duval. If you need any help, Louis, scream. 
Hello, Miss Duval. Hi. Well, now. <laughs> well. Well, what? Tell you the truth, ma'am, I don't know. I'm guest honored at this party, and folks come up and talk to me, and I've been saying, well, now, well, it's been getting me by. You don't like parties, huh? Well, now. <laughs> well. <laughs> Look, Mr. Sinclair, you don't have to give me the routine. Relax. I'll tell you what. You can tell me about Texas. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, ma'am. On the balcony. With you, Sugarfoot? Oh, you're so pretty in that Havana moon. It can't touch a Texas moon. The balcony, Mr. Sinclair. Call me, Louis. You're a real devil. Rootin' tootin'. Look at it. Havana. You ever been in Houston? No, but I've dreamed about it. Sweetest dream a filly can have. Where are you from, Miss Duval? Tennessee. What you doing in Havana? There was a man in Tennessee. That's why I'm in Havana. Texas man wouldn't let you go. He didn't let me go. He followed me to Cuba. Bob's like that. The whole Faulkner family is like that. Who? Bob. Robert Faulkner. Tall man, green at the temples, little scar on his cheek, one of them brainy guys. Worked in a government science project, didn't he? That's right. You know him? Oh, do I know Bob Faulkner. Bobby used to spend summertime on my ranch. What you know Faulkner here in Cuba? Would you like to see him? Oh, the sooner the finer. Well, he's got a little place in San Tomas. It's about 20 miles down the coast. We can get there in 15 minutes, depending on the traffic. Bob Faulkner in Cuba. You know what I'm going to do about you, Miss Duval? Well, I'm going to write to the boys back home about you, Miss Duval. They won't never believe I met up with a gal like you, even if I take a paralyzed oath on a cistern full of hymn books. Why, when I tell them how you... Oh, isn't this an address you showed me on a slip of paper, Miss Duval? Uh-huh. Your arm, Louie. <laughs> oh, the boys just won't never believe it, that's all. I'll, I'll knock on the door. Yes, sweet. <laughs> You're sure Faulkner lives here? If he doesn't, I'll let you beat me at Lotto. <laughs> oh, Mr. Verl. I see you've accomplished your mission. You have brought us our quarry. The corn pone is all yours, Mr. Johnston. <laughs> corn pone. That's rich, very rich. Uh, come in, Mr. Vaughn. Mr. Sinclair. Where's Faulkner? You want him, don't you, Mr. Sinclair? You've been stepping on his shadow ever since he ran away from Tennessee, and now you think you found him. Your errand girl told me he'd be here. Get him. Hey, Louie, you're shedding your hayseed. You know, I like you better this way. You're a lovely woman, Mr. Vaughn. That is, you would be lovely if all this weren't so sick-making. Hey, he can't talk to me like that, can he? Can he, Mr. Johnstone? No, of course not. No, you... Don't try, Mr. Sinclair. Oh. Just give in to it. Oh. Oh, oh. Now our Mr. Sinclair will never talk that way to another woman. You killed him. Cold blood. Mr. Sinclair was a tedious man. He wanted to arrest my Mr. Faulkner so desperately. Oh, yes, because Sinclair really was from intelligence. True blue. 
And I brought him to you. We have many rooms here, Mr. Varl. Choose one suitable for weeping over him. He died a hero's death. Miss Saylor, she go to big party. Show pretty soldier to society. The party is over, the people have fun. Where Miss Saylor is big question. In Santa Mas, King. Morning's getting ready to start, Mr. Slate. She can be in Santa Mars and back four times. Five times, maybe. I figured it out, and it came to six. I was going to say six, but I didn't want to worry you. Thanks. You worry about Miss Saylor all the time, don't you, Mr. Slate? Just when she's supposed to be home, and she's not. Maybe I ought to go get her. What time is it, King? Five, a few minutes before. The coast train leaves at a quarter after. I think you ought to get Miss Saylor, Mr. Slate. Now don't worry about it. I'll bring her back to you. You will not mind that I sit next to you, eh? Not at all, Chico. Sit down. Gracias, muchas gracias. I could see by your face that you are a very simpatico fellow. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, that Havana. I think Jose Clemente outdid himself in Havana. Jose Clemente is me. Wait, Shannon. Had a big time, huh, Jose? Oh, in certain places in Havana, they will remember my name. <laughs> I carved my initials on the walls. They'll never forget you. Yeah, don't be too sure, senor. In Havana, the profession is to forget. A man, his name, the days of yesterday. I... <laughs> oh, help me, help me, senor. Hey, what's the matter? You feel sick? An ugly pain chases itself inside me, around and about. Hey, please, I, I need atmosphere. Lots of fresh atmosphere. Come on. We'll go out on the observation platform. Uh, my paper bag. Where's my paper bag? All of Jose is in this bag. Now here it is. I've got it. Come on. Yes, you see. Hey, I told you, you are very simpatico. Right out this door. You'll be all right. Ah, here we are. Take a deep breath, Jose. You'll feel better. Uh, give me my paper bag, please, senor. In it, I have pills. Pills to heal the sickness of going away from Havana. Here you are. Gracias. Still pink pills in this. It surprises you, Senor Shannon, that in this paper bag, Jose Clemente carries a gun? It does. Especially when you point it at a simpatico fellow like me. And this is a remarkable little gun, Senor Shannon. So little and still big enough to make you fall from this train. You never get to San Tomas. I will shoot pills and say you were drunk. But you and I will know that the little gun did it. Might not be that easy. It will, senor. If you do not fall, I will make a hole in your simpatico face and then throw you over. You have a choice, senor. Thanks. Thanks for what? Now, why didn't you want me to get to San Tomas, Jose? But you can't tell me, can you? Mr. Slate, he called to San Tomas to look for ladies sailor by train first class. On train he meet a little man with gun who tried to keep him from his destination. Little man, he don't know, he don't succeed. Find his body by track in railroad meet. Little man... All right, King, I got the message. I thought to take your mind off your troubles, Mr. Slate. You're kidding. 
troubles have I got? A little punk tries to throw me off a train. We get into a fight and he falls off. Cops ask me why I did a thing like that. I tell them why. For three hours, I tell them why. They don't believe me. What troubles, huh? The big trouble of not finding Lady Sailor where you thought her to be. Yeah. Uh, you came up with one. These others, the police, the little man, they do not make so much hurt as the absence of Lady Sailor, do they, Mr. Slate? You won't sing me a song about it, huh, King? Well, if it's not your wish, Mr. Slate. Thanks. You promised to bring her back to us. Yeah, I did, didn't I? I don't get it, King. I go to that address in Santa Mars, there's no one there, just an alley cat and some hysterical chickens. I couldn't even find them a rooster. You told the police of the man from intelligence, the man Mr. Johnston? Mm-hmm. They never heard of him. But such a man would register with the police. It's always done. Pay attention, King. I told you I'd find her. All I have to do is start from the beginning. Remember how Sailor went to a party? Yes, Mr. Slate. It was time I brought her home. She might turn into a pumpkin. Comfortable, Mr. Vaughn? Why did you bring me back to Havana? Because the method of your disposal has not been contracted for. If I'm to kill you, the man has to tell me. In what manner and for how much. It's up to the man. How does my hair look? I want to make a good impression. A Faulkner doesn't impress. Oh, so there really is a Faulkner. Well, surely. This is his place. Of course, he rented it furnished, but it's indicative of his tastes. Expensive, like mine. Tell me, how does it feel to kill a man? It gets easier all the time. Well, here, let's talk of more pleasant things. And consider, shall we, these goblets. Crystal. Exquisite. Here, here, hold one up to the light. No? Or, um, then this candlestick on the table. Hand-wrought silver. Don't you shiver when you see something so beautiful? Never did. Mr. Johnstone. Yes. How much did you say you got for killing Sinclair? Two thousand. You want to shiver? Pardon? Wait a minute. Here, take a look at this locket. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Here, I'll take it off so you can see. The diamond in it is worth... Well, your $2,000 would buy a corner of it. Here. Oh, I'm sorry I dropped it. Oh, let me. And you've got your foot on it, Mr. Vaughn. And you put yours right in it. What do you know? You dented Mr. Faulkner's candlestick. Oh, sailor, sailor. You're so brave and clever. Why do you fight it? Huh? There's humor in this. <laughs> a killer lying at your feet. You standing over him with a candlestick in your hand. Irony, the essence of humor. Who are you? My name is Faulkner, and yours is Duval. It's fortunate. I've had better things happen to me. You have a boat, I've heard. And I have you. I'll need both of you. And Mr. Shannon. And Mr. Johnstone. And this gun. Whatever you're selling, go away. I'm Slate Shannon, Miss Grant. May I come in? Oh. Oh, the exciting, the notorious Mr. Shannon. That'd be delightful. Come in, Slate. Ricky, darling, this is Slate Shannon. Oh, don't be frightened, darling. I'm here. There, 
That's right. You just sit here at my feet and play your native songs and let me run my fingers through your curly, curly, black, black hair. Hiya, Ricky. And likewise, I'm sure. What is it you want of me, Slade? My presence at your little dive to lend it chic? Your presence does that in the dive? <laughs> Isn't he divine, Ricky? <laughs> Now, tell me, what is it you really want? A charity contribution? I'm looking for Miss Duval, Sailor Duval. Oh, then it is a charity contribution. Why do you come to me looking for another woman? Your ghost slayed. That means crude. Uh-huh. Where is she? I haven't the slightest idea. The last I saw of her, she was on a balcony with Louis Sinclair. Louis yelled, Yippee! And they were off together into the somewhere. Into what somewhere? Wherever girls and boys have fun yelling yippee at each other. How would I know? But you know where Sinclair lives. Mm-hmm. You want to know, too? Yeah. Now. <laughs> Tease me for it. So help me, Miss Grant. If you don't give me Sinclair's address, I may hit you over the head with guitar, curly boy and all. Ricky! Are you going to sit there fingering that stupid guitar and let this, this... Uh, this wonderful man talk to me like that? Of course you are. You're keen, Rick. You're a pal. Try the Hotel Caesar, Slade, because you're so thrilling. Hey, how about some service around here? Service? Si, senor. I am the service. Que can I do for you? Que can I do for you? Que means what? I throw in a Spanish word so I am colorful. This way the tourists don't mind no bath with the room. You have a senor Sinclair with a room? Sinclair. Aha, aha. Stop being so colorful. Just tell me where I can find Sinclair. Por favor. One second. I shall return. One little minute. Yeah, hurry back. Senor, senor. Someone came for Sinclair? See, very dangerous looking man. I see him. I say to myself, aha. Then when he asks for Sinclair, I say... Gracias. Oh, senor Slade. What is this? I ask a man for Sinclair and I get a minion of the law. How come I get you, LaSalle? Mm, I ask you the same question, likewise. And so? Look, Sailor went to a party. She was supposed to meet a man named Sinclair. She hasn't been home. If she married him, I want to shake her hand and wish her things. If she married him, she should be crying. What? Well, she would be a widow. Sinclair is dead? Murdered. Shot. He was found beneath the pier at San Tomas. Ah. Where's Sailor? I do not know, amigo. But one thing we do know. Senor Sinclair was not as he appeared. He was a member of the intelligence of your country. Sinclair was? I thought... Thought what? I don't have to think about it. Sailor's in trouble. I've got to find her. Senor Slate. Arrest me later, LaSalle. I've got to find Sailor. Good luck, amigo. There's a gun on your back, Shannon. Well, Johnston. I know. You want a dime for a cup of coffee. But you don't want to die in the gutter. Get into that car. Your friend Faulkner handles my boat real good. He's the genius type. Knows everything. Hey, Faulkner. Where are we going? Tell him, Johnston. We're going to meet a freighter in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. It's going to be a neat trick in this fog. Well, the genius will find it. He's not so smart. He needs a freighter. We don't need a freighter, do we, sailor? No, he's not smart. We're smart. Look at us. I've been looking at you, Mr. Val. It took a blow with a candlestick to make me do it. It's a pity you're not going on that freighter. 
Where's it going? To a place of refuge. A place where they're going to pay us a lot of money for picking Faulkner's brains. They pay good for traitors, huh? Well, you'd be surprised. Johnstone got $2,000 for killing Sinclair. Didn't you, Mr. Johnstone? Yes, I've got a quirk. I like money. You know what I think, Johnstone? What? I think for a man of your talents, that's a paltry sum. Real paltry, huh, sailor? It's awfully paltry. What would you consider a fair price for killing a man? It depends now. If it were a man like Faulkner... Slate, how could you? Mr. Faulkner and Mr. Johnstone admire each other. Oh, my mistake. You people have something on your mind? I've still got my locket. Here, it's in my hand. You could get $5,000 for it in any hock shop in the world. You can believe her. I've gotten it. All I'd have to do is shoot you, Mr. Vall, and then I'd have the locket. My hand's on the rail, Mr. Johnstone. If you shot me now, the locket would drop into the ocean. You'd have to get wet to get it. I'd make book you wouldn't get it. It's worth $5,000. $5,000 to kill Falk. I want to tell you people something you won't believe. We'll believe you. I never had $5,000 at one time in my life. You're not getting any younger, you know. Don't you ever get tired of meeting freighters in the dark? How do you know what these people on the boat will do to you? They don't need you. Faulkner! Please, it's difficult enough. This fog... Let me take a second. Oh, what do you want? What? You fool! I'll kill you! Duck sailor! You're going to die, Faulkner! Johnson, he went overboard. Now you, Shannon, Miss Duval. The wheel, we're going to ram that freighter. We all die. We all... Grab the wheel, sailor. Ah, you did good, sailor. Faulkner... He's dead. Take the wheel, Slate. Maybe I'll be a girl for two minutes. Maybe I'll faint. Sailor. What do you want? Where'd you get that locket? A man gave it to me. What man? A man. You love him? A lot. He was my father. Why'd you let me hock it last time? You were nice to me. Come here. What did you do that for? I want to hock it again. I might have known. It's the first of the month. Mm-hmm. Payments due on the boat. I thought you owned the boat. I put a mortgage on it so I could get the hotel out of hock. Don't you own anything outright? Yeah. The moon. Come on outside and I'll give it to you. <laughs> And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. And that's Bold Venture with Espionage and Murder in Santoma, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. 
that was syndicated and originally broadcast May 7, 1951. Let's take a break. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, James Stewart stars as Britt Ponsett, the six-shooter from 1953. Then Robert Young stars as Jim Anderson, father extraordinaire on Father Knows Best from 1950. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.